Happy Sabbath. Shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Gracious Father, as we open your word this morning, help us, O Lord, to grow in Christ-likeness. Help us to grow in your likeness and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to challenge you. I want to focus more on men this morning and I want to focus on women because it's time that the God's men become godly men. I want to thank you for letting me be here this morning. I'm thankful that you're here. I also want to encourage you to your church school. Church school is the lifeblood of a church. Church school brings youth. Church school is important. You got a new teacher. She speaks Spanish and English. Nice place to rob more sheep from. God wants you to fill your church. But this morning, I want to focus on the glimpse of a biblical father. How important it is. Take a look at that cartoon for a second. Is it up? All I said was that God is kind of like their earthly father, and the kid is crying his eyes out. I kind of blew that picture, that concept they have of that father over there up a little bit for you. Some fathers are really a work of art, not in a positive way either. Some fathers smoke, drink, cuss, swear, and sometimes show up on church on Sabbath morning and act like a saint. I am here to share with you God's people need godly men. Not just men who are fathers, but every man in this congregation can help father children in this congregation. Your actions they're looking at. How you respond to things they're looking at. In fact, one, one author, and I must keep, keep moving, one guy I listened to one time who was a former atheist said, and he talked about how his wife became a Christian and now how he tried to disprove it. And the more he tried to disprove it, the more he becomes convinced there was a God. And I was... To, in a breakout that he had at this conference, and I listened, somebody asked him, what causes an atheist? One of the major causes of people becoming an atheist is their relationship with their father. Now, that's an impactful statement. But you take Darwin, you take a few others, most of them had a lousy relationship or a father who was not really who we should be. Now that may be striking. My grandfather was claimed to be an atheist until he was about 79 years old. A Methodist minister talked to him and showed him the gospel. As far as I know, my grandfather, Cromie, made a decision for Christ at 79. But his father was a work of art. Sometimes immoral, sometimes legal but not ethical. 
he foreclosed on my grandfather. Your father forecloses on your business. He went down and bought the mortgage from the bank, went to my grandfather and says, you've got three days to pay it. How would you feel? What would you think of God? This morning, my brothers, we've got a journey and I must get through it. A father is known by his actions. And here I want to quote the text, the next thing. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Everybody wants to see the Father, and Jesus just said, if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. I like to illustrate it. I'm an illustrative preacher. My grandfather, my great-grandfather on the other side was about as mean as my great-grandfather, Cromie. Was tough on his kids. His oldest, his, his wife died when she was 34 years old. He had four sons, my great-grandfather. He remarried a woman that was about five years older than his oldest son. It didn't go down well. In fact is, she didn't like cooking for them. But when he was home, he made her cook for him. them. And I don't know if you know what four boys can do to pancakes on a Sunday morning. And she'd make small ones, but she would, he, she would, each of them would take three to four dozen pancakes to make sure she cooked. Put my grandfather Altro out to work and he collected the money and spent it on his second wife. How would you feel, Gary? That was you. Wouldn't feel too hot, would you? 1931, my great-grandfather got sick and his first son to his side was my grandfather. 1932, my grandfather died at 35 years old. He didn't live a long life. And I asked myself one time, I said, what was my grandfather like? And this verse came to mind. If you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. My grandfather forgave his father of many things. When my father was outdone, outwitted by his uncle over an estate that was given to my father, and my father never knew it for 40 years. My father still visited that great uncle every year. If you've seen the father, you have seen the son. Now ask yourself this question, men. If people look at you, your sons, do they see a godly father? That's our job is to show people the picture of the Father. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If we are focused on Jesus Christ, do people see the Heavenly Father in us? Let's move on. The biblical Father is a rock of stability. You know, in a little girl's mind, 
who can fix everything. Daddy can. Sometimes that's a little disappointing to new husband, boyfriend. Daddy can fix everything. Get his advice. He's wanting to take care of his new wife. I was there once. But you have to realize, in her mind, Daddy is that rock. Are we that rock for our daughters and our sons? Here's what God says to us in the Psalms. He will cry to me, you are my father, my God, the rock of my salvation. Is God the rock of your salvation that you can pass on to your children? Are you that stability in the church that young people can come and see and say, I want to be a part of it. It's a place that's safe. We need to make it that safe place. The fact is, there's a principal program out in the Northwest that's using Going Church Young. And the very principal is caring for the young and caring for each age in the church. And only you can do that with being a rock solid in Jesus Christ. Our next slide, a biblical father is compassionate. I have never imagined anything more of my father than he was a compassionate person. But he had to learn it from somewhere, right? He learns it from, if you may not have got it from your father, but God says to you this morning, you can get it from me. You can find it in me. Let's move on. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God says, if you want to walk with me, I am here to help you understand that I will walk with you. I will have compassion with you. When you blow it and mess it up, I don't know about you, but I think I've messed up more things than I want to think about. And sometimes I messed up things working with my dad, and my dad said, well, let's fix it together. I didn't get a lecture. He says, you'll know better for the next time. You blew it. I can remember... How many of you have ever had sanctified swearing? You know what I mean by sanctified swearing? You don't use the swear words, you just use another word. But you have the spirit of a swearing. And I had the bad habit of um, when things, the tool would not go right or something wouldn't go right, I go, garbage, garbage. I didn't swear, did I? But I had the attitude of what? My dad would say, well, there's an awful lot of garbage underneath that truck today or that car. He had compassion, but he was telling me it didn't sound well, right? God, Heavenly Father, does the same thing for us. A biblical father is an instructor. You do it this way. And there are many fathers that have failed to learn to be instructors. I hate to say it, sometimes it's easier for me to do the job than to instruct it. And that's my fault. I have to let people and people to help. Sometimes I can do it twice as fast. But I had a son who figured that, that, that out. When he was supposed to be dish, doing dishes and he wasn't getting it done and we, didn't work, we wanted to go somewhere, and I said, let me help you. And he'd step back and I'd end up doing it. He figured it out. But I was I doing him any good? No. He needed to learn to do his job. Let's move on. It says, hear my son, your father's instructions. 
Do not forsake your mother's teaching. The fathers, mothers are not to do all the instructing. They need to have dad teach them. They need to have mothers teach them. But they need to see dad in action and his love and his compassion for his spouse. They need to see dad as one who cares. And one way we show we care as we instruct. A biblical father is a disciplinarian. I want you to think about it for a moment. A disciplinarian. So often our kids will say to us, if you discipline me, you don't love me and I won't love you anymore. How many of you ever heard that one? I heard that more than once. And I go, okay. I think I said it more than once. And as I tell, I tell anybody, my father never spanked me. But I wore out a lot of chairs in the first 16 years of life. My dad would give out minutes, hours. In my house, if you did something when you were little, it was offensive. You had to think about it. Not one day. If you got a half hour, it usually was a half hour for a week. Five days. You come home from school. Your homework didn't get cut. Time didn't get cut. But your fun time got cut because you had to go sit your five minutes. And then when you got up from the chair, you had to tell them why you were there. It wasn't so much fun after five days. You didn't repeat the dumb thing. Here's what it says from God. He says, for, the Lord, for, for whom the Lord loves, he reproves. Even as a father corrects a son in whom he delights. Our father wants to delight. And God says to you, if we want our children to be a delight, we got to spend time in helping them know what's right and wrong. That right and wrong is important. And they need it. Too much of our world hasn't seen it. And you know, one of the reasons they haven't seen it is we as fathers and have men of the congregation haven't shown it. You can discipline in love. You can discipline in care. You don't have to beat a tar out of a child. What you can do is show them compassion, yet say, no, this is not going to happen again. Our next slide is biblical father glories in his children. Fathers love their children. They should. A biblical father loves his children. He loves to talk about it. He will get there in a minute. Grandchildren are the crown of old men, and the glory of the sons is their father. In other words, do we give our sons something to look up to? Something to pray, thank God for? And I'm not just talking to fathers. I'm talking to the men of this congregation. There are some who are never will have any children, but they father children, let me tell you. They walk beside some children and they give a gift. I buried a man one time, walked into the district, two weeks into the district, and the man died. He was a World War II vet, older end of World War II vet. He was drafted like he was about 35, 36 years into World War II. Served in Europe as a machine gunner at Normandy, central France. Battle of the Bulge in Germany. Never, his children never, it is, 
his nieces and nephews never knew he, he had any had it, what he had. And I said, I need to know something about it. I flipped over his discharge papers and I says, did you know he had four bronze stars? You don't get those for being in, being in a nice quiet place. But one thing he did with everybody told me, he loved children. And the church children loved him. Why? Because he learned to appreciate the gift of life. Do you appreciate what God has done for you? You can pass it on. It's the glory of a son to be able to brag about his father. A biblical father loves to talk about his children. I love to talk about my children. My son is a pilot, teaches people how to be pilots. He's taught people in Portland, Oregon. He worked for um, Hillsborough Aviation. He now works for Big Bend Community College in Moses Lake, Washington. But in Portland, he would take up Chinese guys 10,000 feet, 10, feet and teach them how to fly a plane and have to communicate across the English-Chinese barrier. And he got so good at it, the Chinese would say, you want Ben to teach? That's a father bragging. Okay? That's a father bragging. We like to tell their son's success. And our sons need to hear their success. Too often we keep it to ourselves. And I remember a young man, a good young man. He's now in his 50s, close to it. And I married him a long time ago. He says, my dad never tells me when I do a great job. I says, he's never got it himself. Your dad struggles with this and this. And I says, he will struggle with it. But know this, he tells others, be happy. He's still bragging about you. You see, God wants biblical fathers who can say it and share it and give it. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. How many of us as adult men would love to hear their father say, I am pleased with you? How many young adult women would love to hear their father say, I am pleased with you? Most of you. All of you. Look around you when you see a young person doing the right thing. Step up their plate. Encourage them and tell them. God wants biblical men and biblical fathers. Because when we become that, we become an avenue for which God can build his church. The biblical father leaves an inheritance. You know, we have this idea of the day that spend it all while you're here. Leave nothing behind. There's more to an inheritance than just money. An inheritance of love. An inheritance of compassion. An inheritance that changes lives. This morning, house and wealth are an inheritance from the father, but the prudent wife is from the Lord. How I many of the biblical father praises his wife? A biblical husband praises him. I like to talk about that some other time, but we're just going to say that this morning. A biblical husband praises the good in his wife. I fail sometimes. I need to do it better. Some biblical fathers have much to, to turn. A biblical father rejoices. I like to look at that, rejoices. You know, when your kids graduate from college, 
you get what? Excited. Some don't have children when they graduate. But can you get excited when somebody else's kid or somebody else's has been a child, you know? We sometimes in the ministry, I didn't, we didn't always live around my parents or Dorothy's parents. But the Lord provided me with some really good grandfather people around me and some real great grandmothers. My children collected grandmothers and grandfathers along the way. You mean because they knew that they weren't close and they brought things to them. Were they a blessing? Biblical, biblical men are a blessing to the whole congregation. And they're a gift. But we need to be that. He says, Fathers of the righteous will greatly rejoice and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Well, folks, my dad said before he died, he said, "My mom, your mom and I have done a pretty good job. We made some mistakes along the line, but your kids turned out pretty good. What was he saying? I'm proud of you. I'm rejoicing with you. I want to rejoice with the children of this congregation in heaven, don't you? And I have a responsibility as a man to be a biblical man and a biblical father. A biblical father gives rewards. Here it is, he says, so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what you have done in secret will reward you. Sometimes giving your son a gift of just listening. I, I, my father was a great listener. And I'll tell you one story. And, and that he didn't tell my mom something one time. He knew it, and I figured he told her. He disappointed me. He didn't tell her. I got on the tractor with him, and I was home from college. And I just asked Dorothy, I asked him, how do you ask her father, how do you ask, how do I ask Dorothy's father for her hand, his, his permission to marry his daughter? My father looked back at me and with his sheepish grin and said nothing and just laughed. I figured he knew. He knew. I asked and we went to a New Year's Eve party at the Head Elders Church in Madison, Ohio. And my mother-in-law went around and as she usually does, if she knows something, she shares the good news. Well, she shared that I had asked. But my mother didn't know that I'd asked. There's things going on. I got home that night. Why didn't you tell me you asked? And my father just stood there, just quiet like he never heard anything. I said, you chicken. But I got him back. I got him back. He had a rule that you couldn't, you know, little kids like to stir their ice cream. Where I grew up, couldn't stir your ice cream. Or you had to pass it over to you. To my dad, Dorothy, we were just married, and she stirred her ice cream, and she got it all stirred up, and I looked at my dad, aren't you going to ask for ice cream? Not a word. I got him. You realize when there's a good biblical relationship, we can laugh what? Together. We can joke together. We can pull things together. But you reward each other in positive ways. Biblical fathers know that his children's needs. 
Here's what the word of God says. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. And a good biblical father knows what you need. And sometimes we have failed at being that good biblical father. And some of us probably need to go and tell our children we are sorry. We've made a mistake. If they are going to be able to heal and overcome your mistakes, we may need to learn how to overcome them. This morning, a biblical father teaches. This morning, I want to challenge you in that very much so. Taking time to teach. Here's what God says. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than them? Than they? This morning, a father communicates their child's worth in working with them. You know, think about it. But they do. A biblical father treats others as he wants to be treated. Too often I have seen in many homes this idea that father is the final absolute boss. My heavenly father never said that of himself. My heavenly father and my earthly father have never showed me that. But I heard my father treated my mother as she was the princess and probably put up with some things he probably should have said should stop. But because he loved her so much, he did so. And I can tell you some funny stories to go with it. They were young and married. My mom, my mother was very expressive. She's Irish. My dad was basically German, some English, some Irish, American Indian, a conglomerate of things. But my mother was a Protestant Irish and very proud of it. And they had a disagreement one time and she took a bowl, a rose bowl, and threw it at him. It was a glass bowl and she just whomped it at him. He ducked. He came up. And the first words out of her mouth was, Why didn't you catch the ball? You see, we learn to share God's love. We learn, men. If we want to be treated right, we got to treat others right. Jesus put it this way. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. The Ten Commandments is about how we treat people. The righteousness of Jesus Christ teaches us how we are to treat people. Biblical fathers, no little eyes are what? They're so good at watching that you find out that some of your bad habits they have perfected better than you have perfected. 
remember they're watching. Men of this congregation. Little eyes are watching. And maybe we need to apologize for some things that we have said harshly. Maybe we need to apologize for our being Mr. Grumpy. Because little eyes are looking to see what Jesus has done for you. For it is, for it is, for it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your Father who speaks in you. They're watching. Is God speaking to you this morning? Or do you need to ask God to help you? Let you speak through. Biblical Father imparts value. Winston Churchill put it this way. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. That's important. As we look at Father's Day in a week from now, help us learn to be that father that our children can praise that our children can be excited about. Jesus put it this way, are not two sparrows sold for, for a cent, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. This morning, how much do we value our children? I am proud to say that the Tallahassee Church has a church goal. He values children. You have Sabbath school. You value children. That's a positive and great thing. Don't let it go away. Church school needs to operate. And it needs to show the love of Jesus Christ. Moving on, a biblical father is protected. A father is protected. He doesn't misuse his authority. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angel in heaven continually sees the father of my face of my father who is in heaven. Folks, think about that for a moment. Think about what that's saying. And I want you to think about it very clearly. When your face tells more, when you're talking or when you're just looking. Have you ever been mad not say a thing? Have you ever been happy and not say a thing? Now I want you to think about it. When you have done wrong that hurts your family or hurts your spouse, that hurts the children of this congregation, there's an angel's face in heaven portraying that to the heavenly Father. Now that's a thought you need to think about for a moment. Because God says, what we do impacts the angel, impacts the Father. When we do it right, God stands up and goes, what? Hallelujah! Jumps up and down. They got it. They got it. They got it. 
Go back and tell them they got it. How would you like an angel to visit your house and say you got it? The biblical father loves to surprise his children. And I used the same thing about the heavenly father coming. But on that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. Now, there's a lot we can unpack about that verse this morning, but we don't have time and I need to get moving. But all I want you to think about is how much the father is excited about when he comes to get us. He doesn't stay home. The Heavenly Father doesn't stay home. He doesn't just send Jesus. He doesn't just send the angels. He's, the, he's there. You know, all of heaven is empty. What an exciting day. And what a surprise. My earthly father loved to surprise us on Christmas morning. My parents did, and they enjoyed it. I remember when I was six years old, I got my first electric train. And my father loved to talk about that train because I wore that train out in six months. It could neither go backwards or forwards. When it quit gears going forward, slipped so bad it wouldn't move forward, I put it in reverse and reversed it around that track. By the end of school, I got it at Christmas, and by the end of school, it was shot. My dad picked it up and turned it over, and he said, the gears are wore out. 1957. Guess what I got for Christmas? Another train. And I still have that train. You see, my father loved to give. Your heavenly father loves to give also. A biblical father is known for his love. And really he is. He was, he has, and he was saying, Abba. Jesus was saying, Abba. That's a term saying, Daddy or Dad. Never went home to see Dad. A special person. She went home and did some special things for him. Because he was special. When Jesus cried out on the cross, he said, Daddy, where are you? The most intimate term he could give. And you and I need to have men of this congregation need to have such a respect from our children that they call out, Daddy, or man of God. Biblical Father is merciful. Time is fleeting. We can read that. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. We're going to move on to the next slide. The Biblical Father demonstrates that a children are wanted. Look at the text. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen, chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. In other words, you're chosen, you're wanted. So many children today don't know that fathers want them. There's something that they have. No, they're precious gifts. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen you. Gladly to give, give you the kingdom. The biblical father is a safe place. 
Can a child come to you, your own children, and say, I've blown it. I have messed up. I've done wrong. And not get a lecture? Where you, they feel safe enough to come to you and say they have a problem and you do not turn on them and discipline them heartily, but you show them how God says this is wrong and we'll have to work this thing through. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Do children see you as a safe place to put their trust that you will help them work through their difficulties? The biblical father takes time to show his, his, his children, and really it does say that. For a father loves the son and shows him all the things that he, he himself is doing, and the father will show him greater works than these to do these. So do that you do well, so that you will marvel. God says, I'm going to show you more. The biblical father will show you even more. This morning, too often, we're too busy. We're too focused on doing a job. But when was the last time you bent down and helped a little kid pick up something? When was the last time you said to mother, your mother come in by herself with two little children and somebody come to the door, come, from, come and say, let me show you where your Sabbath school is. Let me tell you, I remember I was sick. Probably the last time I got pneumonia. I was about six, I was six years old. I had pneumonia again. In the first five, six years of my life, I spent a year, every year with pneumonia. And I was in kindergarten and I was sick. And at that time, there was a janitor, a black gentleman, who was a janitor at the school. He also drove school bus. And my mom had just had my youngest brother. She was over, just getting over being pregnant. I was sick and sick. He picked me up in his arms. He took me to the car. I still remember that man. If God's men in a church will take that time to impact those lives, they're going to be here and be remembered much longer. Your biblical father gives his children work to do this morning. Make sure your children know how to work. It says, for the work in which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very work that I do testifies about me that the Father has sent me. Can some of the children see in you this morning the work of the Father has given you to care for them? A biblical father rescues. I'm not going to read that text because time is running. A biblical father blesses his children. In the Bible time, a blessing was so important. That blessing was so it could make, make or break someone. Jacob was willing to lie to get it, cheat to get it. Esau was said it was mine because I'm the oldest and I don't care what I say. How important was that blessing? 
Jacob got it. Esau cried for it. The big, tough Esau who would kill or stomp on anybody was bawling his eyes out at his father's feet. Daddy, bless me. Bless me, Daddy. It's time that we start blessing the children of this congregation, giving them a picture of being involved in God's work. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place in Christ. The biblical Father shares his wisdom. We need to move on. And it's true, we need to share our wisdom, take time. And last, this is almost the last one. Like the picture? Have you ever created it? Men, have you ever created it? My father-in-law had many good qualities. So what? When he got over me, The Bible, Paul writes about fathers who do that agitation. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We have a responsibility to discipline them. We have a responsibility to instruct them, but we do not have a responsibility to agitate their soul. Biblical fathers do discipline. Biblical fathers love to instruct. And some of us need to acknowledge our failures and sometimes admit them to those children. A godly father is to be an illustration of our heavenly father to his family. We all had to take time and make some amends. We all need to take time first, be down on our knees, and ask God to help us make right all the wrongs. You do not want to attend your funeral when your children don't show up. My grandfather, Cromie, had seven living children. And one showed up. My grandfather, Colonel Romy, said about his great his father, I want nothing of his filthy stuff at all. You have a responsibility to make amends. First, with your God, and asking Him how to go about it. And then you need to go about it. I pray also you need to make a commitment to God this morning, men of this congregation, that I want to be the godly man, that when my children leave, when it comes to the resurrection morning, my children are standing there saying, Thank you. Thank you for living for God. Because it's your example 
that's going to impact their lives. Moms are there too, but dads are important. To a 16-year-old girl, how he treats his mother, his wife, is how she, who she's going to marry, some bum or some great guy. I put it pretty frank, frankly, didn't I? How he's going to treat his wife and how he's going to be faithful to her, most of it is going to be how you treated your spouse. Or you treated your spouse and the children of the congregation. Folks, brothers, we have a responsibility to Jesus Christ. Allow him to rule that we may be the biblical man God wants us to be.